Mark pulled his arms down, breaking the grip of the one man holding him, as he ripped the hood off of his face with the other. How about now, he said, looking around. All of the SWAT team members were no longer wearing the ski masks they'd been wearing earlier, and he got a good look at all of their faces as they all turned to look at him in shock. You idiots, the man who had obviously hired them said. Mark noted that he was tall and dark, possibly Hispanic, and looked to be in his late twenties. That's not Levin. Oh, I'm Levin, all right, Mark growled, staring the man down. I'm Mark Levin, Thomas's brother, who works for the FBI, and you are all under arrest. They all went for their guns, which was what Mark expected. The problem was they'd all left their nice semi-auto AR-15 rifles and shotguns in the van, and it took them an instant to realize that. The boss of the team still had his pistol, however, and he pulled it and started shooting almost immediately, as Mark grabbed one of the other team members and pulled them between himself and the boss. From the way the guy was jerking, Mark got the impression that the body armor they were wearing was just a prop. He threw the now twitching body at the boss, knocking him down, then snatched grabbed the guy next to him by the neck and threw him at the two running for the van. The new guy had a gun out now as well, and he shot Mark twice, causing Mark to swear rather loudly. Mark dove for the van himself then, as the new guy fired several more shots, but none of them hit Mark. By the time Mark got one of the rifles, two of the original five were also trying to get in. Mark butt-stroked one in the face hard enough that it shattered the stock on the AR-15. The other one he shot in the chest, then dropped that rifle as it jammed and picked up a second one. The one he had shot was down, screaming on the ground. The one he'd butt-stroked was unconscious. Another one was down, apparently dead from being shot in the back, and the one who had been the boss had a single bullet wound to the head. The body of the guy Mark had thrown at him was still on top of him, probably dead as well. He heard the sound of a car door slam, followed by a starting engine. Jumping back out of the van and into the garage, he saw a large white Impala, which reversed and backed through the closed garage door. Running after it, Mark brought the AR-15 he was holding up and fired several shots into the windshield and side windows before it too jammed as he ran after the car. As soon as the Impala was back out into the street, the driver looked forward, and Mark could see the look of shock on his face when he saw Mark charging the car. He put the car in gear and slammed down hard on the accelerator, heading straight for Mark, apparently hoping to run him over. Tossing the jammed gun to the side, Mark jumped onto the hood and grabbed onto the windshield wipers and the end of the hood. The guy driving started weaving the car violently back and forth, trying to dislodge Mark, who wasn't having a lot of success in holding on, ripping off first one wiper and then the other. The next time he went hard to the left, Mark started slipping off to the hood of the car to the right, and the driver then locked up the brakes, throwing Mark to the ground. Kicking off his shoes and undoing his belt, Mark shifted as he dove at the car, the driver now trying to speed off. Smashing his head and upper body through the passenger window, Mark dug his claws into the seat and the dashboard and started to pull his body into the car. The driver looked over at him, and rather than seeing Mark, he saw a bloody, snarling mountain lion instead. He slammed the gas pedal back down to the floor and turned the wheel back hard to the left as Mark's claws started to shred the interior as Mark continued to pull himself all the way into the car. Mark had just dragged a paw across the steering wheel, trying to grab it with his claws, when the man driving looked up and screamed. Mark saw it at that instant, too, a telephone pole. Mark tried to push back out of the car as the guy driving hit the brakes, but he was too late, and the car hit the pole dead center, burying it in the hood almost up to the windshield. The airbag on Mark's side deployed, and while it kept him from getting injured any more than he already was, it still hurt. 
But Mark's claws had cut in deep enough into the steering wheel that the driver's side airbag exploded in a burst of shredded material, hot gases, and metal particles, doing nothing to stop the driver, who wasn't wearing a seatbelt, from going through the windshield of the Impala. Growling, Mark extracted himself, carefully, and then shifted back to human, hissing in pain as his cuts and broken bones continued to heal. His shredded shirt was still on him, his official ID and badge were still hanging around his neck, and his pants, he could see, were about a hundred yards back, with his sneakers. Pulling off the shirt, he walked around to the other side of the car to look at the driver. He was still alive, but Mark didn't think he was going to be that way for very much longer—